Well, good morning. I'm, uh, well, I should have stopped there. Good morning. <laughs> if you haven't met me, I'm Pastor Norm, uh, one of the pastors here at the Hope. And uh, some good news, they're finally going to get the bus painted. So we're going to take it in a week from Monday. So I'm sorry it's another week, but hopefully by the following week, we will have a bus. Roadworthy. <laughs> so we have been praying for this thing, and man, it's just, it's going to be a, te- you'll see it when it's sitting out there, John, but it's, it's a teal color, uh, similar to our, our logo colors. So, and to, to begin with, it'll have a simple sign on the side that just says the Hope Church, but we're going to have a, a bigger <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it'll look nice when we're done. Uh, but temporarily, we're just going to put slap the, side, the name on the side of the bus so we can use it. All right, I'm already parched. I don't know about you. So I actually began this series. This is uh, part two. I began it last week, but just I, I just wanted to touch on it real quick. As we look at things that are prophesied in the Bible. As we look at the last days, Jesus soon coming, which I believe is going to happen sometime in the near future. Uh, Not setting dates, I'll get into that later on, but right now I just want you to understand the reason that this kind of a message is so important is because it shows us what the atmosphere, what the culture is going to be like during the last days. And I think we've already had a pretty good taste of that. How many believe we're moving in the right direction? Not in a Christian sense, right? Not in a moral sense. It's going the opposite direction. And what happens when immorality takes over and you and I are professing Christ? Do people like us? When you come in and you shine the light on their sin... What does that do? It irritates them. And Jesus said, listen, they persecuted me. They, he didn't say this, but they hung him on a cross. And how much more is going to happen to those who follow him and actually serve him? Professing Christ, proclaiming the message that Jesus gave us to proclaim. In the book of James, and I just wanted to finalize with this, He talks about trials. He said, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come, say troubles. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. I've never liked this verse. (laughs) Yet, I believe it's scriptural because we read in the Bible that it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So consider it joy. Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. We're not here to live a warm and fuzzy life. The Lord never said it would be easy. And I believe falsely that there are some out there today preaching a false gospel that says life should be easy. If God's blessing is on you, you'll never be harmed, you'll never be hurt. They crucified him. (laughs) And 
each of the disciples with the exception of one. And they tried to kill him. I want you to understand as your pastor that I don't know when, but things could get difficult for the church. And I don't want you going into these days thinking, I could just keep doing everything I've been doing and not think about God till Sunday morning. Our, our faith is going to be put to the test. Finishing this out, let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So when you allow the Lord to do these things in you, how many are going through some serious trials right now? Raise your hand. Look around the room. Half of us, at least. There's something going on in your life that's monumental, and it's been very difficult for you to get through it. Maybe it's a health thing, maybe it's a relation, whatever it is, God knows. And he's got your back. You're not in this alone. Just keep trusting him. Tell your neighbor, keep trusting him. Hallelujah. With that said, we're going to start today reading from the book of Daniel. And I just want to emphasize, I'm not doing a verse by verse this this week. Uh, I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit, but that's okay. I'm going to hit the highlights. And I'll talk about what's going on in in the different chapters that we discuss. So with that said, I'd like to pray one more time. Heavenly Father, you know me and I can't do this. I need you. Lord, touch my lips with that hot coal, as my brother Isaiah said so many years ago. And Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts to receive from you today. Lord, let it be good ground where the seed that's planted will go deep. Roots will go down, Lord, and we will be better for it. Better prepared to handle whatever life tries to throw at us. And Lord, I pray the church will rise up as a result. Take our place as we should, Lord, seeking to do your will, seeking to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we just ask right now that you would just prepare us to receive from you. And Lord, when this service is over, that you'll be pleased that you, Lord, will look down on us and say, good job. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing here today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the events in the book of Daniel, they, they took place around 600 B.C. and following. It was about a 70-year period. This book records the life and the faith of four young Jewish men who had been caught up in the Babylonian captivity. Now, this captivity was a result of the Israelites not doing what they were supposed to. And God had just had enough, and he said, you know what? You don't want to follow me? You want to go after all these other idols? Fine. I'll, I'll let it happen. And he just let this uh, king come in and take everything. Everything. This was a time when God's judgment had fallen on this people, on this nation, because they turned away from God. The first six chapters are a record of 
Daniel's life and ministry. However, there is a second meaning, and in the church we like to call it a shadow of things to come, and it actually refers to things that are going to happen in the last days. The last six chapters, and again, I'm going to briefly touch on some of them. Uh, I'm not going to go through verse by verse, as I've already said. But this, these last six verse chapters, sorry, are prophetic in nature where he is talking about Jesus coming back. And I think you're going to enjoy it as we talk about that. Chapter 1, the king gives the order to raise up some young men. He needs advisors. Not that he didn't already have enough, but he wanted more. And he gave the instruction to his leader. He said, look, you go and you find the ones that are good-looking, strong, Bible actually says that. They're good-looking. The king didn't want to be surrounded by people. That... Anyhow, we'll stop there. <laughs> and they had to be smart, something that he was very impressed with, uh, with his leaders. So, young, good-looking, smart. That eliminates me. They had to be trained for three years. They had to learn the customs, the languages that the people in Babylon spoke. And there were several that they used, uh, Chaldean, Aramaic, uh, etc. These four young men who had Hebrew names had to have, they were, I can't even talk today, Lord help me. <laughs> Let's just go there. They changed their names. Among these were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. These are the names that they were given. Now, what I found interesting as I studied this out was that their original names were really cool. This would have been a letdown, all right? It'd be like if I had a really cool name, like Gabriel or instead of Norm. <laughs> Just saying, if your name's Norm, sorry. You probably agree. But the, the names that God had given them originally, Daniel meant, the judge of God. How cool is that? Or God is judge. Hananiah was Jehovah is gracious. I mean, you'd just be pumped up when you got up in the morning. Mishael was who is what God is. I mean, I, I want one of these names. And finally, Azariah was Jehovah has helped. What did their new names mean? Nothing. <laughs> they just gave them, and, and here's the fun part. They didn't name them with names that represented them like their Hebrew parents had. They just gave them new names so it was easier to pronounce their name. That's what the scholars say. It, it wasn't because they wanted them to be known as 
well, this is the moon god, El, blah, 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 whatever it is. No, it was just so that, hey, Dan. <laughs> oh, he's over here. Hey, Dan. <laughs> it's just, it rolls off the tongue easier. One thing that's important to note and that we can apply to our lives today, and I, I believe that any scripture you read has modern application, right? We can take it and we can use it today. These young men were expected to be a part of Babylon. However, they didn't change their lifestyle. They refused being who they'd been raised to be. They refused to indulge in any sinful Babylonian cultural stuff. There were some culture changes they were willing to accept. And I'm only pointing this out because I feel like we're in that right now. Everywhere we look, we, we see the culture just ramping up and it's coming at us like a freight train. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's really difficult to decide, what am I going to do? What do we do next? I'm a Christian. I can't live like this. But if you don't, you're mocked, you're made fun of. I think later it's going to get even worse with the persecution. And I know this isn't a message anybody here probably wants to hear, but i got to tell you the truth. And I believe this is from the Lord. These young men had been immersed in the Jewish holy books and they knew enough when they were drafted into this or conscripted into this Babylonian royal court. They knew enough to know what they could do that wouldn't tick God off. They were smart enough not to do those things. Because nobody wants to make God angry. At least I don't think you do. I don't want to. And they certainly didn't want to. Couple areas where the young men refused to concede was they felt that they had to pray. Imagine that. Even if they were told they couldn't, which we're going to read about that later, even if that happened, they were going to continue to what? You can pray inside, you can pray outside. They chose to pray outside, but that's another another day, another part of the scripture. And then they did this thing that few Christians like or talk about or do. They fasted. <clears throat> What's that mean? To go without. To change your intake. Maybe not to eat the ice cream at night, the cookies, the sugar, whatever it is. I know, I just lost half of you. Sugar cereal. Dave's eyes lit up on that one. They fasted. The king wanted these guys fattened up. He wanted them to glow. To look healthy. So he was giving them the very foods that he was eating. The best of the meats, the wine off of the vine, 
And you know what they said? Nope. Nope. What we want is water and fruits and vegetables. Actually, they said vegetables, but fruits and vegetables. Think about that for a while. How many have ever eaten that kind of a diet? Three hands went up. Oh, that's you. You like fruit and vegetables? All right, good for you. It's probably why you're so thin. But you look good, right? Did the king like that? He never knew. It was the king's leader that said, ah, we can't do that. You guys, hey, if you get skinny and the king finds out, you know what's going to happen to me? Off with my head. And they just said, all right, here, give us a couple weeks. You let all the other trainees, because they were in training, you let all the other trainees eat the king's food and wine, and we'll eat the fruits and vegetables and water. And in two weeks, if we look emaciated, if our ribs are showing, or we don't look healthy, then we'll eat whatever you give us. And the, the man agreed and said, okay. And guess what? In two weeks, they looked amazing. They looked better than all of the other young trainees. And so the guy said, all right, you can keep doing that if that's what you want. Now me, I'd want the ribeye. Just saying. But this is them. They prayed and they fasted. And they did this daily. How many of us do that? Hmm. The young men also did something that I find amazing. They wanted their witness to be strong in the kingdom. In fact, there was a lady that, uh, one of the books that I was reading, Joyce Baldwin, she said this. She said, in order to witness to their God in the Babylonian court, they had to understand the cultural presuppositions. And I had to look that up. Which just means the things that people would assume they should already know. That's a presupposition. So they were supposed to have or understand the cultural presuppositions of those around them just as, and here's where this involves you and me, just as the Christian today must work hard at the religions and cultures amongst which he or she lives if different thought worlds are ever to meet. Does that make sense to anybody? Do you realize that we have to get along with people, especially those who don't know Christ? And recently, I was kind of put into this place. Uh, we had some training with the chaplains. And recently, the state of Michigan hired a couple of rabbis to be chaplains. And I'll just be honest with you, at first I was like, how's this going to work? Because we were all, all of our, our chaplains are, were Christians. And I thought, man, this is going to mess it up. But it was really interesting to hear from these guys this past week 
to hear their heart and, and to hear some of their stories. And I'll probably share some of them because they're really good. You know, they had what they call the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. That's what they focused on. So they have part of what we have. They just don't have the rest of it. And I, I just found it amazing that we could culturally intermix and it wasn't that painful. I just had to be open a little bit to what they were saying. That doesn't mean I'm going to become a Jew tomorrow or a rabbi, but at least I've got a little more knowledge about others. And sometimes that's all it takes is just listening to people, listening to their stories, and allowing God to work through us. And I believe that's what Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, as we're going to soon see. We're in a culture war. Amen? What used to be common sense mixed with a, a heavy dose of morality is now anything goes throwing the morality out the window. There's little discussion tolerated, which really frustrates me. Because I don't mind listening to somebody's story, but I'd like them to hear mine too. You know, and uh, give and take. But there's little discussion. And I believe, as I look at everything around me, that our nation is at a standstill. But somehow, we as Christians, like Daniel and his friends, we must learn to concede certain things, things that aren't as important, so that we can help them understand what our moral principles are. But if we don't ever listen to them, they're never going to listen to us. And that's what I'm trying to say here. We need to look at this a little differently as Christians. And yes, we are required to walk a fine line. How many have had to do that? Otherwise, you get canceled. You know what that means, right? But people's souls hang in the balance. And we must work on building bridges to and for these people instead of blowing those bridges up, which is, I think, something that the church has done over the last several years. I was reminded of the works in the book of Jude, and I believe that Daniel and his friends would have practiced something like this. Jude said this in verses 20 and 21, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in the most holy faith, in your most holy faith. Pray in the what? power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. So our covering obviously is God's love and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what all of us need right now. And we should be praying regularly for this, for each other. The next two verses... And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. And, 
This is what I'm saying. This is what Daniel did. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They, they allowed God to use them in this climate that wasn't theirs. They didn't own it. They were put in it. Not by choice. They were thrust into this life. But they used it to God's glory. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution hating the sins that contaminate their lives. So we are supposed to put ourselves in a place where we can minister to those who need it most and yet not go so far as to lose our own faith. And that's what these four young Hebrew men did as we're going to soon see. What would happen if the culture in which we live becomes unsympathetic or even hostile to our Christian faith. Some are saying, what do you mean if? <laughs> we would then have to decide if we're going to participate in the culture as best we can, like I'm talking about here, or if we're going to stick our heads in the sand and pray that it will all come to an end. I personally don't think that that latter part is what God wants for us. I believe you and I were made for such a time as this. God knew when he gave birth to us or allowed us to be born that this is what we were going to face. It, it wasn't a surprise, like, surprise! God's up in heaven going, man, I didn't know that was going to happen. No. He knows every single one of us. He knows us from the moment we were conceived. He knows us before that, before the dawning of the age. He knew us. And he put us in this spot because this is where we belong. Not in the 1800s or the 1900s. Not in the 20th century, but the 21st century is where all of us belong. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Right? So as we continue into chapter 2, here we see these Hebrew boys, and they were boys when they were conscripted, or very young. We see them managing to coexist with all of this immorality, and I believe we are going to be called on to do the same, and we are doing the same today. If any of you have a TV, <clears throat> the devil himself couldn't have done any better work than what comes through that box. You know what I mean. I, I, I'll stop there. We're also going to see how God uses his people. And I love this. That he uses them to influence this ungodly nation, this ungodly king. And he actually ends up kind of, sort of, winning him over, as we'll see a little bit later. But God uses us to influence the culture around us. And that's something that we have to be open to. And even pray about, Lord, how can I influence my coworkers, my fellow students today, my neighbors, whoever it might be, 
Maybe your family, maybe your whole family is ungodly. You're the only one that knows Jesus. <laughs> Boy, isn't that fun. But you have the light, and they need it. And God put you there for that reason, so that you can go and influence them in a positive way. Sharing your story with them. Sharing how God is still moving today. Amen. Chapter 2 also shows us that God knows everything. Past, present, and future. When I said that about God making a mistake, He wouldn't have, because He knows it all. And the beauty of this is He's willing to share some of those future events with us so that we have a clue so that we can help those around us how many believe that we're in the last days not everybody are you just not wanting to raise your hand today or some of you are the leaders really you don't think it's the last days curious Aaron It could be, okay. How many believe it could be the last days? How's that? Okay, his hand went up. Just asking. Just picking on you. Here's the thing, if we really feel that way, what would we be doing? Preaching the lost. Say it louder, would you? Preaching the lost. One more time. Preaching the lost. Well, that's the pastor's job. Reaching the lost. If you really love your family and you thought that we were heading toward the last days when Jesus is coming back, man, we would be reaching people. Are we doing that? Some are, yes. I believe God can still use people today to influence the future. I believe Joel 2.28, and I, I put this up, then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. This is one of the passages that Peter quoted right after Jesus ascended, and he went out and started preaching to the church. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. God wants us to be full of his spirit and able to prophesy, even telling future events, which is a lot of what prophecy is. It's understanding God's heartbeat. It's understanding what he's saying to the church today. So here we find this king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Say that three times fast. He had a dream, and it disturbed him. And he wanted to know what it meant. And this is where we're going to jump in. This is the NIV, and I did this because it actually breaks out the different uh, groups of people. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and astrologers 
to tell him what he had dreamed. Hmm. Not so bad, right? The king had dreams, and he he didn't know what they meant, but they really disturbed him so much so he couldn't sleep. So he calls on his trusted advisors. Here they are, four different categories. Magicians. This is like our horoscope person today. Somebody who drew circles and tried to tell the future. I say try only because I don't believe they were driven by God. Enchanters. These were men who were said to be able to summon or control the dead. Now, I've seen this a lot lately where people are saying, hey, come on over, we'll talk to Uncle Harry who died 20 years ago. (laughs) Really? Sorcerers are men who use spells or what we might call black magic to control or to direct people. Whenever I see this, I often think of those little dolls that they take the, the needles, you know, and voodoo dolls, yeah. And finally, the Chaldeans. And, and these were uh, astrologers. They were known to study the stars, and they would, they would basically tell stories from their knowledge of the stars, future events. In the NLT, the They just called the four groups the wise men. Now, I think that's an oxymoron because without me going any farther. I'm just going to stop there. That's why I chose to read it from the NIV. But this time, the king had a problem. Some believe his problem was from being paranoid. Anybody ever been paranoid? No, I remember, and I'm going back, all right? How many know your pastor is not perfect? that I had a past before I met Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I might have dabbled in some things that I shouldn't have. And one of the things I discovered was that if you're a person that likes to get high on different things, not saying what those things are because there's such a multitude today, you tend to be paranoid. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that King Nebuchadnezzar smoked cannabis. I'm not. But he could have. But whatever it was, he feared the people around him. So much so that rather than tell these guys what his dream was, he said to them, look, you guys are the ones that are supposed to tell the future. You tell me what my dream was. And if you don't... (laughs) Needless to say, his advisors, his wise men... (laughs) They came to him and they said, Oh, great king, live forever. Nobody can do this. Only the gods can can tell you what your dreams are. He says, Well, that's too bad because you're going to die then. He was adamant. He just said, No, I'm not changing my mind. You either figure it out or every one of you are going to be slaughtered. Ha! That's be kind of scary if uh, you're one of his advisors but think about this who was daniel shadrach meshach and abednego what abednego what did they why were they brought in to be the king's advisors so they were lumped right into this 
And Daniel heard about it. <laughs> and his first thought is, ah, well, you know, I'm not really looking forward to being executed. So maybe I need to go talk to the king. And that's what he did. He went to the king. And he said, oh, great king. If you would just give me a little time, I will seek the God of the impossible. And he will tell me what your dream is. And apparently the king thought, well, what have I got to lose? Nobody else has come forward. So he let Daniel go, and as we're going to learn, to pray. I'd like to read this. No, I don't. I wanted to say this first. Before Daniel went into his time of prayer, he did something that all of us need to learn. What did he do? Okay, here's Daniel. Oh, great king, I know I can get the answer for you, but I'm going to go pray and seek him. Okay, what was the next thing Daniel did? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Man, if I had a gold star, I would give it to you. He called his friends. And he said, hey. Not to mention that they were in this too. So if Daniel died, they were dying too, okay? So they're all lumped into this. But he says, hey, I can't do this by myself, guys. I need your help. you got to pray with me or, or we're all going to meet Jesus. Well, they didn't know Jesus. We're going to meet Jehovah soon. And they all prayed together. And the outcome was good. Which tells us what? When you find yourself in the bottom of the bottom with something like this coming at you, maybe death, call your friends. Get them to pray with you. Hopefully they're godly friends too. That helps. That helps. Daniel 2.19, that night the secret, secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and he said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things. And he knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. The Lord wants to answer your prayers. But you've got to pray. You've got to talk to him. You've got to tell him where you're at. And you have to trust that he's going to answer. Now I think one of the biggest issues that we have today in modern times is finding time. We're too busy. I talk to you guys and you tell me, oh, I can't do this, I got this going this week, I got that going this week, my kids are doing this, that, and the other thing. <sighs> got to find time. 
You've got to make time. It's too important not to. Your family's too important not to. If you're not praying, then you are going through life by the seat of your, you're going through life by the seat of your pants, and anything could hit you. But if you're praying and asking God to be with you, to, to guide your every step, you're not going to make those missteps that are going to cost you. You're going to be in the right place at the right time with God's glory right there with you. Amen. His power, <laughs> His Spirit. The Lord wants us to pray. In these difficult days, we must all bend our knees and seek God and His answers to life's difficult problems. And one other thing that Daniel did here, and we have to remember this, is after he got the answer, what did he do? He thanked the Lord. Always. Oh, nothing frustrates me more than when you give something to somebody and they don't say thank you. And by the way, if I can say this, I don't mean to put anybody on the spot, but the, the ladies from Bear River, you guys are amazing. You're always thanking us. We do this because we love you guys. We do this because Jesus told us to do this. And we're glad you're here. Just know that we appreciate your thank yous and, and even big postcards and things that you've done. And that's awesome. But it isn't necessary. And, and I just want to thank you, though, for, for being so appreciative. Um, none of us can imagine what you ladies are going through. Well, maybe some of us could, but uh, we know it's a difficult road ahead of you. But we're happy for you, we're excited for you, and we can't wait to see what God's going to do in your lives. Amen. Amen. After getting the answers... David went to the king. There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secrets. So he's basically calling out. So if you were one of those magicians, enchanters, if you were one of those guys, what would you be thinking when Daniel said this? Thank you. Very good. They didn't have buses back then. But throwing us under the chariot. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't have liked this young man. But there is a God. <laughs> there is a God in heaven. And he reveals what? Secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw that as you lay on your bed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to look at the interpretation that the Lord gave Daniel next week because it's already getting on. Not next week, two weeks. What's next week? Mother's Day. Mother's Day. I think I have a message for Mother's Day. So I, I didn't want to drop the last days on you on Mother's Day. So. <laughs> it's always so encouraging and so come back next week. We're going to talk about good stuff. We're going to talk about the strong daughters of God.
Hallelujah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But here, I want you to see, even though Daniel disagreed with these magicians and sorcerers, do you know he stepped out to save their life too? And this is something that I think the church, we, we, we get it twisted sometimes because we, we get around these people who we know are living for the devil. And what's our first inclination? What should our first inclination be? They need Jesus. I don't care how bad they are. Or how good they are. They don't have Jesus. They're lost. <laughs> right? We've got to put ourselves, church, in a place where we recognize those who need to hear the truth and then tell them. Not be bashful. But be bold. That's what God wants us to do. That's what Daniel did. The Babylonian men who were a part of the king's advisory board, they were all enemies of Daniel, Meshach, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They were all his, their enemies. We're going to see this a lot more in the chapters that are coming, just how wicked they were. But for right now, I just want you to see the point that Daniel could have just said, you know what, King, those guys didn't answer your dream, so yeah. He could have gotten rid of all of his competition. Thank you. That isn't how Jesus would do it. Jesus forgave Judas. Judas didn't forgive Judas, but God did. Jesus forgave the Roman soldiers that enjoyed torturing him that day. Jesus forgave us for our sinfulness. We need to do the same and not go in armed for bear. Why you? Don't be self-righteous. Be full of grace and mercy just like Jesus. Love your Love your enemy. Jesus said this, didn't he? I've actually got it quoted here. Matthew 5. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. You realize this is how it was. The custom was to hate your enemy. And it's easy to do. Right? How many find it easier to hate your enemy than to love them? Raise your hand if you agree. Come on. But then he went on, he said, I say love your enemies. You want to know why the Jewish leaders hated Jesus? <laughs> Pray for those who persecute you. They hated the Romans. They wanted the Romans out of there. They didn't want to have to be under their authority. And when Jesus came in and told them, you need to pray for those guys, they were like, 
Where'd you come from? You can't be the Son of God. Son of God would never say that. We're supposed to eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, man. And Jesus is up there going, no, forget about that. Love them. Love them. In that way, you will be acting as what? Ooh. How many want to be true, true children? Stand up. You've been sitting there long enough, blood, blood needed to flow to your feet. You will be true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, which just says God is impartial. He's no respecter of people, men or women. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those... <laughs> Read this verse with me, that first sentence. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? <sighs> Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. And back then, tax collectors were not well-liked. Not that they are today, but even more so back then. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And to be perfect, what must you do? Love your I got off to a rough start here this morning, but whatever. That happens. But I believe what God wants us to get from this today is first, prayer changes things. It changes our heart first. And then and it influences those around us, even our enemies. In fact, when we pray, it can even change the circumstances. Not always. God knows best. But sometimes when you find yourself in that deep, dark hole and you just need somebody to throw you a rope, not to hang yourself, but to pull you out, that's the kind of God we serve. And He will. Sometimes it's through people Sometimes it's through a miracle. That's however God chooses to answer your prayer. Who cares? As long as it's answered. Our mission, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is this. To spend our lives in such a way that it gives God room to move. To reach those around us. Who knows? Perhaps your enemies will even become born again. Just a thought. Father, we, we just stop here today. Lord, you told us to pray and be obedient to, your, to the word, to your scriptures. 
And I pray that this church, Lord, will recognize our place in this 21st century culture. That you will give us wisdom beyond our years, similar to how you gave it to Daniel and his friends. Holy Spirit, that you will empower us for this day. Lord, that we won't be bashful, we'll be bold. We'll have a heart of compassion for those who don't know you, including and especially our enemies. Lord, help us to love them just as you loved us when we were your enemy. And I ask right now, Lord, that you would grow this church as only you can. Not just here in this building called The Hope, but throughout our community in Gaylord, in the schools, in the marketplaces, in the stores. Help us, Lord, to be the light in this very lost world. And we just thank you for even thinking about using us. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And everybody said, Amen. Pray and be obedient. Pretty simple. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we conclude today, we just ask that you would take these vessels, these temples of the Holy Spirit, and use us, Lord to bring you glory and praise and honor. And those that are struggling, Lord, we just ask that you'd meet them right where they are. If they need prayer, Lord, as we conclude this service, we pray that you would just have them come to the altar, Lord. You want to do that now? If you need prayer today, if, if I could have our prayer partners come up. We'll be up here to pray with you. If you need Jesus, Maybe you haven't made that commitment. And you want to turn your life to God today. Just ask one of us. We will help you with that. With that said, can you lift your hands? Say, Lord, I am your vessel. I open myself up supernaturally pour into me today the good things the necessary things the God things and may I be a vessel that when I'm bumped into when I run across people that it spill out all that God goodness into the lives of those who need it most and we thank you for using us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.